0: joining us online thank you so much for worshiping with us can we tell everybody online hello on three one two three hello 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 i'm so glad to be here with you today i'm pastor luke i'm the student pastor here at the bridge uh pastor jim is not here but he's here He's not here in this room, but he's actually in the Bridge Kids room with some toddlers right now. Because a couple of weeks, he shared the need that we have some some volunteer needs in our Bridge Kids ministry. And we've seen people stepping up. But Pastor Jim said, man, I want to be in there. If it's just for one Sunday, I want to go in there and I want to see what's going on with our toddlers. And you know how refreshing it is for a pastor, for me, to be under leadership that just cares so deeply about the next generation. Man, it puts wind in my sail. It makes me so encouraged. And speaking of the next generation, I wanna tell you that last Friday night, man, we had a worship service that was out of this world. Middle school and high school students from all of our bridge locations came together. And we met in the student center, and man, the place was packed. Um, and we, we had two hours of prayer and worship On Friday night. And even when we said, All right, guys, we're bringing things to a close, you're dismissed. Can I tell you something? They came right back up to the stage and they just said, One more song. Can we just get one more song? And I just, it just amazes me because I hear so many negative things about the next generation. But then I see things like that. And, and as a student pastor, I get the opportunity to see things like that regularly. So I'm not worried at all about the health of the church. The, the church is doing pretty well uh, in the next generation. And I'm just excited to see where God takes us next and where he takes those students next. And I think the coolest part about the whole night was that it was planned by students Back in February, I had three students come up to me and say, Pastor Luke, do you think we could have a night of worship before the summer, like when school's getting ready to let out? And I said, absolutely. And they hit the ground running, man. They went to planning and organizing. And I'm telling you, last Friday night was probably one of the most powerful nights of worship I've ever been to. I mean, students all over the place pouring their hearts out before the Lord and praying and lifting up his name. And so, man, it just brings me so much joy. And so much excitement. I want to let you know something. uh, Guest gathering uh, is going to be happening after service today. So if it's your first time, I want to say welcome and uh, thank you for joining us. Pastor Jim Wall, who is typically here on Sunday morning on the stage preaching, he'll be in there as soon as he gets done with Bridge Kids. So I want to invite you to that. But we're in this series called The Shepherd. We're in this series called The Shepherd. And we're looking at Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is one of those passages of scripture that you've probably heard over and over and over in your life. It's probably a scripture that you memorized in children's church and you got like a candy bar, like a sticker or something like that, right? You've heard it, right? It's kind of like John 3:16. After you've heard it so many times, it just maybe kind of grows numb on you. But can I tell you what? Just when you think that you have wrung out every bit of meaning and wisdom, In God's word, he'll show you that you ain't even touched the surface yet. And so Psalm 23, we're going through it. We're marching through it. And I'm not going to preach all of it. Pastor Jim has done a great job of that. Um, So I want to encourage you that if you haven't uh, seen all of the series, go check out bridgechurch.cc. And go up there and and go see the Sunday that you missed. So Psalm 23, 1. We're going to jump into it. The Lord is my, help me out here, my Shepherd, yeah, come on, preach with me now. Preach and teach with me this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what I'm talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. And what is the job of a shepherd? We've learned throughout this series that the job of the shepherd is to guide, provide, correct. I'm gonna put the last one on you and protect. Yes, oh my goodness. And, and how do you make the Lord your shepherd? Well, it's very simple. You give him the authority and the control of your life, the thing that we're so desperate to cling to. Oh man, we're so eager to plan and plot and and, and just make things happen in our life. And we never ever want to get rid of control. But part of allowing God to be the shepherd of your life is living a life open-handed. God, this is yours. Lead me. I'm your sheep. You're my shepherd. Verse uh, continuing on in, in 23, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down, not in dead pastures, not in brown pastures, but green, lush pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In other other words, he provides rest for me. He restores my soul. In other words, he provides emotional healing. He brings that refreshing that we're praying for this morning. He brings that as our shepherd. And he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, he guides. And so if we were to stop right there, man, that sounds like some good stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm like, sign me up. I want the Lord to be my shepherd. That's some good stuff right there. And if we left right there, man, we'd probably all be, you know, leaving with smiles and everything like that. But you know what I'm thankful for when it comes to the Bible? And this is how I just know it's it's trustworthy. It's because it doesn't leave out the details, even the bad ones, even the not-so-good ones. The Bible is actually very honest about life with us. And so we're going to be looking at verse 4. And before we jump into it, I want you to pray a prayer with me as we jump into today's message. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, come on now, let me hear you now. Lord, open up the eyes of my heart. That I might see incredible things in your law. God, that's what we're praying for today, Lord. As we jump into your word, we're praying for you to open up our eyes, God. Lord, we're praying that you would transform us from the inside out. God, we go into your word with eager expectation that you're going to speak to us, Lord. And so, God, we stand on the promise that you are here and that you love us. And, God, we just want to learn from you for just a minute today. It's in your name we pray, God. Amen. So verse 4, it says, even though, this is David talking here, David, you know, the little shepherd boy defeated Goliath. He says, even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If anybody knows anything about shepherding. It's David. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a shepherd, so anything I learn comes from research and looking it up. I ain't never spent the night in the field before. Our boy right here, David, though, he knows all about it. And so I think he knows exactly what he's doing when he shares about the valley. I think he knows what it's like to take a group of sheep from the lowlands where they stay in the winter to the highlands where they have to go in the summer to get some food. You want to know what's in between the lowland and the highland? The valley. In order to get to the highland, you have to go through the valley. And David knows that. And he doesn't just know it about shepherding, but he knows it about life. The Bible talks about many different valleys marital valleys, career valleys, emotional valleys, faith valleys spiritual valleys, grief valleys. The Bible doesn't leave any of that out. See, when we tell stories, a lot of times we like to give the highlights and the good things. I'm telling you, this is why I know God's word is reliable Uh, This is one of the many reasons, because he doesn't leave any of that out. We actually get to look into the lives of characters who God has worked in their lives before, and guess what, there are some great moments where they get it right, and then there are some moments where they get it completely wrong. I don't know if anybody else has been there before. I know I have. I don't know, I I would wager I'm not the only one in here this morning that's been there, but that's what we see in God's word. And there there are these valleys that happen in a person's life. You know, I think about Mary and Joseph. They were uh, betrothed, they were engaged. That's supposed to be, at least in our day and age, uh, an exciting thing, something that you look forward to. You're about to spend the rest of your life with this person. And so during their engagement, uh, Joseph finds out some news that Mary is pregnant, and they're not married yet. How much distrust could come into a relationship like that? Joseph, I'm sure, was like, Holy Spirit, who? Do what? Oh, no. I mean, I can't imagine what Joseph was going through. Y'all, that's a valley right there. That's a valley. You know the rest of the story. God shows himself faithful. Joseph jumps on board. Everything turns out great. But there are those valley moments. I think about Joseph and the Old Testament, who his brothers, his flesh and blood, sold him into slavery, left him for dead. That's a valley moment. I think about as I read Joseph's story, all the valley moments that he had, uh, the, the moments where he had the best intentions of the world, but, but, but somehow, way, he ends up in some precarious situations. He ends up in some situations that you would never imagine a person to end up who's just simply trying to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, when Joseph does the right thing, in one particular instance, he still ends up in prison. I think about those valley moments that Joseph had that led him to be second in command to Pharaoh. And then I think about his brothers and his father Jacob uh, when famine hit the land back home. That's a valley moment. And they had to go to Egypt, hoping and praying that Pharaoh would be kind to them. But lo and behold, it's their brother that they meet. Maybe you know the rest of the story. Joseph looks on them with favor. They get food, but I'm telling you, In between those moments are valley moments. And maybe you're in a valley today. Maybe you're here today and you are in a valley. Well, I want to talk about this morning. I want us to explore God's word and answer the question, what do we do when we're in the dark valleys of life? But before we get there, I know and you know that there are some things that are just true about valleys. And I want to go over those real briefly. Um, One is that valleys are inevitable. Valleys are inevitable. Every one of us in here this morning are either in a valley or we just came out of a valley. Or about to be headed into a valley. I mean, that's just the way that life works. As a matter of fact, Jesus is very honest with us when he says in Matthew 16, 33, in this life, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you will have trouble. So valleys are not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And Jesus is very honest with us that they will happen. They are inevitable. Valleys are also often unpredictable. Sometimes we can see them coming. Uh, Like when my wife and I were driving down the road the other day, and I just heard what sounded like a a plane right over top of us, which that's not unusual. We live close to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. There's a municipal airport close by. Planes are something that we hear all the time. We're used to it. But this one sounded really low, but something inside of me said, you know what, why don't you turn your AC all the way down? Because I had it full blast, man, because it was hot. And when I did, the plane went away. It was the most amazing thing. And then I turned the AC back on, and and there was that noise again. And I realized, that ain't no plane. That's the AC. And I looked at Leah like, we ain't got time to be working on the car's AC. Are you serious? Well, thankfully, it went away the next day. But my point is, there are these moments that you can kind of see a valley coming. But most often, they're unpredictable. I mean, you can't plan for your tire to be flat. But wouldn't it be cool, though, if you could plan your valley moments? Like, you know that they're happening. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just schedule them in so you could, you know, schedule them in, I guess, the most convenient time you could because, you know, these valley moments, they happen... at the time where you least expect it and you least want it to happen. But wouldn't it be nice if you knew a flat tire was coming and you said, you know what? Friday, we're supposed to be leaving on vacation. I mean, I've got a lot of things going on at the office Monday through Thursday. I get off at five, so maybe between six and eight, I can squeeze in a flat tire. I can deal with the stresses of that. That, that, That's kind of convenient. No, that's not how it works. Valleys are unpredictable. They're inevitable. They're unpredictable. And valleys... Well, they're impartial. Valleys are impartial. I think about these valley moments. When they pop up, man, we feel a lot like Jeremiah when he says in Jeremiah 4:20, disaster follows disaster. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter falls in a moment, just like that, I mean, you've heard the saying before, and I want you to help me out with it, because I know you know it, you've said it, your grandpa said it, somebody said it before, when it rains, it pours, that's exactly right, valleys, man, they're impartial, They don't care who you are. Nobody's immune to them. There's no vaccine for valleys. No, there's no medicine for valleys. There's no class you can take to to, to get away from valleys. I can remember when I was in high school, I was so excited in ninth grade because in ninth grade, it meant that if you had good enough grades and you had good attendance at the end of the year. There was a chance, there was a hope that you would be exempt from the exam. And so I tried to do my best and I tried to show up as much as I could because I'm not a good test taker. And so I wanted to be able to be exempt from the exam at the end of the year. Can I tell you something? There's nothing you can do. You can't live a good enough life to be exempt from valley moments. They're impartial, which is good news in a way. Because what it tells us this morning is that those problems, those trials, those difficulties in life, they don't mean you're a bad person. They just mean that you're a person. They don't mean that that you're an evil human being. No difficulty in trials and valleys when you have them in your life. That just means you're a human. Matthew 5:45 says, it rains on the just and on the unjust. Can I ask you a question? Did Jesus suffer when he was on this earth? The answer is a a resounding yes. If anybody lived a perfect life on this life, it was Jesus Christ. (laughs) Did he experience moments of loneliness? I think so. I think about the time that he was teaching in the synagogue and he's sharing about the kingdom of God and towards the end of his teaching, most of his disciples walk out on him. They turn away, they stop following him to the point where Jesus was like, hey, are you guys gonna leave me too? To the one standing there. And there were some murmuring in the back, this teaching is just too tough. I think there was moments Jesus felt lonely. I think that there was moments where Jesus could have been tempted to be discouraged. I think about in the garden of Gethsemane In his last few hours before he's arrested, last few moments. And he tells his disciples, hey, listen, if there's gonna be a moment for you to pray, now's the moment. Pray so you don't fall into temptation. And Jesus goes off by himself to pray, and he is pleading before the Father. This is the biggest moment of Jesus' life right here. And he goes back to his disciples and they're knocked out. I mean, they're just sleeping. I can imagine in that moment that there was some temptation to be discouraged. I wonder, you think Jesus was ever wrongly accused or criticized? I think so. I think about the tour that Jesus had, so to speak, the ministry tour where he went from town to town. He makes it to his hometown, the place where you would think Everybody would be the most supportive. And they are at first. People are excited to hear the teachings that Jesus has given. And and he's healing people. And people are amazed. And this is impressive. And this is like nothing they've ever seen before. But then somebody, somebody says, now hold on, just wait a minute. Isn't that the carpenter right there? Isn't that Joseph's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Who does he think he is? We read in Mark that they grew offended because of Jesus and Jesus just says you know what I'm not going to do any miracles here anymore we read in Mark where Jesus is in just disbelief of people's unbelief their lack of faith oh my goodness do you think that Jesus ever experienced those lonely moments in life ever been criticized yes Jesus went through some valley moments and so why in the world would we ever think that we wouldn't have a few pop up in our lifetime And see, our first reaction when a valley moment pops up in our life is for us to just, why me, God? Why me? And I get that. I've been there. But I think a more accurate question is, Jesus, why not me? Because, Lord, I'm nothing like you. I'm very imperfect. And this, well, this isn't heaven. This is earth. I, I don't have the promise of no valleys until I get to heaven valleys they're impartial they don't care who you are but you know what I think that's, a, that's enough bad news let's talk about some good news for a minute valleys are temporary valleys are never meant to be a final destination nope David said I walk help me out here Through, yes, through the valley. I walk through the valley. It may feel like that there are mountainsides and canyons in your life right now, like just overshadowing you. You may feel like the walls are closing in, but can I tell you, it's less like a valley and it's actually more like a tunnel and there is light at the end of the tunnel, 1 Peter 1.6 says, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. 2 Corinthians tells us in 4.17, our troubles are short-lived and their outcome is eternal glory, which outweighs them all. Y'all, if I had the blessing, the privilege of living 85 years and I had trouble every day of my life, as tough as it would be, because it would be tough, I don't wanna discount that, it would be a drop in the bucket Compared to what waits for me in heaven with my Savior, they're temporary. And then finally, valleys, and this is important, I want you to hear this, valleys are purposeful. I'm not going to tell you up on this stage, I'm not going to say that, that, that God just allows death and calamity to happen in your life to teach you a lesson. But I will tell you that everything that happens in our lives is, is father filtered. It, grow, it goes across his desk. I'm not trying to say he causes it, but I'm trying to let you know that the God that we serve can go into the midst of your valley moments and bring purpose out of it. That valley you're in right now doesn't have to be in vain. God can bring purpose out of the valley. I think about David, our, really our main character, you know, today, little shepherd boy. That's how people saw him, at least. Little shepherd boy, just tending the sheep. His moment comes where he hears about Goliath, and he races down. And all the Israelites are just scared out of their mind. They are in a valley. Like, they're literally in a valley, and they're in the valley of Elah. I mean, I don't think that's any coincidence. They are in a valley, and all of them are scared. And David walks up and pretty much says, put me in, coach. I mean, that's what he pretty much says, looks at King Saul, and like, somebody needs to do something about this, because he is defying the name of our God he is defiling our God, the God of Israel. Somebody needs to jump in and do something. And, and everybody looks at him like, hey, listen, well, it ain't going to be you. And David lets them know real quick, hey, listen, this is just a valley. I've been in valleys before. In 1 Samuel, we see in chapter 7, verse 36, David's response is, well, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. I've been in valleys before, King Saul. This is just another valley, and those valleys have been preparing me for this valley right here. We all love being on the mountaintop. And if we could camp out there, we would. But I want to let you know that no matter how well you plan your life, not everything goes according to plan. The Bible says that those times is God testing the purity of our faith. God will use the valleys to see how much you trust him. Why would he do that? Because the more trust that you give to God, the more responsibility he gives you and the more he works through you to make his kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. So when you enter the valley, and you will, it's like God saying this is an opportunity For you to trust me and what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that it's in the valley that character is built. Not on the mountaintops, not in the lowlands, it's in the valley where character is built. So since all of this is true, what we need to remember in the deep, dark valleys is this. I want to share what I've seen In verse 4, I believe that there are three things that we can get from David this morning as we find ourselves in dark valleys that will help us walk through them, navigate through them. The first one is this, refuse to be discouraged. What does David say? I will fear no evil. You get this picture. Get this picture in your mind of this valley. It's deep. It's dark. It's so dark because the valley is so deep into the sides of mountains that the sun can't even reach the valley floor. Pitch black. Sheep want nothing to do with that because there are critters and creatures that can hide in the clefts of the rocks and at any time strike them down. And I feel like they sense that. And so it's really hard to lead some sheep through the valley. But we see in our own lives that when those deep dark moments come, what's our first reaction to run and hide? I can remember being a kid and I was scared of the dark. I wouldn't admit it, I had two older brothers, I didn't want them to use that against me, but inside I was a little bit scared of the dark when I was a real young kid. And I can remember being in the living room and wanting to grab something out of my room and and knowing that my room is on the very other end of the house and so I'd have to walk through the hallway And then go in my bedroom, no big deal, just flick the light on, just, you know, kind of right here, just kind of flick it before I enter, grab what I need, and then as soon as I'd hit it, I'd be gone. Now, don't you act like you never did that don't you play like you've never done that before, like you just you don't know what's out there, like you know nothing's in there, but at the same time, you don't want to be left in there, so you just kind of book it, that's our first reaction when those deep, dark valley moments happen, we just want to run, and David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil walk means to deliberately take steps needed to get to the other side, from one point to the other, and the thing about valleys is you can't go around them, and you can't go above them and you can't go below them, you can only go through them and he says I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil David says I will he made the choice this was his response to his valley moment and I know this sounds a little bit uh harsh a little maybe a little bit heartless uh, but it is true that the way that you deal with valleys is your choice The way that you deal with valleys is up to you. Discouragement is choosing to focus on darkness instead of light. Discouragement is the result of looking at steepness of walls instead of the one who's leading you through the valley. And God is saying today, I wanna bring you through the valley, but you must focus not on your problem, but on my power, not on your circumstances, but on Christ. Not on the situation, but on the shepherd who does what. God's, come on with me, provides, corrects, and protects. That's right. Colossians 1.11, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient when you depend on his power. See, human energy runs out. If I try to tackle a valley on my own, I'm going to give up right there before I even approach that thing, man. I mean, my willpower, I'm just going to be discouraged. I'm going to give up. I'm just saying it's not worth it. Um, But when you tap into God's power, it allows you to do things you couldn't do on your own. So we refuse to be discouraged. And then we remember that God is with me. Now, when you read that that passage of scripture about David, and he says, I will fear no evil, it sounds kind of narcissistic. It sounds like he's a little too overconfident. David's got a big ego. You wanna know why he is able to say that with confidence? It's because of this next part right here. He says, God, you are with me. You see, you're not only promised God's power in the valleys, but you are promised God's presence in the valleys once you commit your life to Christ. Once you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you make God your shepherd. You never have to go through a valley alone again. Isaiah says in 43.2, when you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you you when you go through rivers of difficulty you will not drown when you walk through the fire of oppression you will not be burned up the flames will not consume you now that don't mean you might not be a little bit flame kissed you know what i'm saying but it says that the fires will not consume you the waters will not overwhelm you when you rely on god's power god's not in some distant galaxy just kind of rooting you on i hope you make it luke i hope you make it no God says, I'm in the valley with you, if you'll let me. And knowing that he is there is key to getting through those deep, dark moments of life. You wanna know what a valley is for a two-year-old? I have a two-year-old girl. She just turned two this past month. You wanna know what a valley is for a two-year-old? Let's just get into the mind of a two-year-old for just a second. Let me tell you about Lynn and my daughter. She loves outside, um, but there is something that stands in the way of her being able to get to the ground and play like she wants to play outside when we open the door. It's a set of steps. And poor Lynn and she, she's not real confident and going down the steps by herself. And I know that because she'll be on the top landing and she'll just kind of put her foot down and finally she'll just sit down and just go from step to step on her butt or she'll come, come over here to the railing and she'll just do this number right there. Now she'll get down there eventually, but let me tell you what, there is a difference in this child's mind. When I'm standing there at the bottom of the steps and I have my hands out just like this and she puts her hands in mine, oh my goodness, she gets this level of confidence. Man, you ain't never seen anybody take steps this big. She even skips some steps. I mean, she's just like this right here. Yeah, daddy, I know you're with me. I'm confident in the fact I can get down these steps and it's because her hands are in my hands. She knows that I'm there to protect her and that's what God is trying to tell somebody here today. You're in the valley right now, but if you would just put your hands in mine, I am telling telling you I would help you walk through it, but you gotta let me in. Have you ever noticed the change of pronouns in verses one, two, and three to verse four? Verses one through three, it's a lot of he guides, he protects, he gives rest, but in verse four, when the valley has become the chosen route, David changed the pronouns. He says, you are with me. Your rod, your staff comforts me. It's in the valley moments, church, that the religion of Christianity becomes a relationship with Christ. It's the moment that the ultimate God becomes the intimate God. He is with us in those valley moments. Talk to anybody who knows what it's like to follow Jesus for many years. And they'll tell you about their valley moments. And they'll likely tell you when they look back on their life that God was closest it felt like in those valley moments. They would probably tell you that I would I would never want to relive those days. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't wish those days on my worst enemy. But I wouldn't trade them because, man, I that's when I really. Got to know God on a whole new level. We remember that God is with me and we rely on the shepherd to do what only he can do and that's his job. What does David say? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is a symbol of protection. The staff is a symbol of guidance. Not used to hurt the sheep, just kind of put a little bit of pressure in their side just to guide them on the right path and David says, that's when I feel most comfortable. Not when Luke has his little twig (laughs) and his little candy cane of a staff. Nope, nope. I can go through the valleys of life with joy because it's God who gives me comfort in the midst of the valleys. So if you're going through a valley right now, I want to tell you that there is hope in the person of Jesus Christ Understand that David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say, though I walk through the valley of death. He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The scary part of the valley is the shadows. Shadows are always bigger than the reality. Shadows can't hurt you. I've never got a call in all my years of ministry. Pastor Luke, you're not going to believe this. I had an accident today. Somebody got ran over by shadow. I ain't never heard that. I ain't never heard that. Shadows, well, they can't exist without light. And the temptation is to focus on the shadow that it feels like it's engulfing us. But the secret to making it through valley ways is not focusing on the shadows, but focusing on the light source. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So turn your eyes to Jesus. Look to him, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Psalm 34 19 says, The good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too, but the Lord helps him in each and every one. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are unpredictable. Valleys are impartial. Valleys are temporary and valleys are purposeful, but valleys are not meant to last forever. God will guide you, provide for you, correct and protect you in the midst of them. If, if, this is a big if, if you'll make him the Lord of your life, if you'll make him the shepherd of your life. And the question is, are you going to allow God to be the shepherd of your life? I can't promise you that when you do, all your valleys are just gonna go away. But what I can promise you is when you make that decision to make God the shepherd of your life, you'll come out on the other side of your valleys a lot stronger than you went in because that's where character is built. That's where faith is built. That's where trust is built in those valley moments. So would you let him be your shepherd today? That's my question. God's ready and willing for you to just just open up the door. He says, "I'm, I'm a gentleman. I'm not gonna just barge my way into your life. I'm not going to force my shepherding on you. But if you would just crack the door just a little bit, if you would just invite me in, just, if you would just invite me into your life, I could be your shepherd. I wonder if that's a decision that anybody in this room wants to make today. So would you pray with me? God, we come before you right now. And I just want to first and foremost say, God, thank you. You better than anybody know about the shadows of, of my life. <laughs> But God, your word tells us that even the dark is not dark to you. The dark is like day to you. And so, God, I believe that there's somebody in this room that hasn't made that decision to allow you to be the shepherd of their life. God, I pray that they would not leave this room without allowing you to be the shepherd. If that's you this morning, i just, right where you're at, just pray this simple prayer. No magic behind it. It has everything to do with the meaning of your heart, the intentions of your heart. Just simply say to him in in your words, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. I accept your gift of forgiveness towards me. I believe you died for me, but More importantly, I believe you rose again, God, to bring me new life. And that's what I want, God. I want new life in you. I'm tired, Lord, of going through the valleys of my life by myself. I need somebody. I need you, God, to guide me, correct me, protect me, and provide. God, would you be the shepherd of my life? In Jesus' name, amen.